this episode, we're going to take a little intro look at intelligence analysis by talking about how we assess and analyze information. For those who've been listening, you can think of this as a follow-up to episode 10. You don't need to necessarily listen to episode 10 first if you haven't already, but you can go back and do that. We're going to talk about how we look at information, how to better understand it, where we go wrong, and how we can be better stewards of information, research it, and come up with answers, understand why we think and believe things we do already. This way we can avoid common pitfalls, actually identify and assess useful information and turn it into intelligence. And you may not be looking to turn it into intelligence, but you can actually use this to look at information and come up with a more logical decision-making process or understanding of any subject. So intelligence analysis, analyzing and assessing information, that's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. So anything I train people in, I always like to get them to do hands-on stuff, get them thinking more, get them involved. I don't just like to stand up there and teach. And that's hard sometimes on here. So you're going to have to visualize some of this, but I don't think it's going to be too difficult. But I'm going to walk you through some examples of what I do when I show people and get them to understand how they think and why they think and the assumptions that they make. So one of the exercises I use is simply a jigsaw puzzle in a box. So you'll just have to imagine this. We'll pick any picture we want, but for this description, I'll say we're looking at a puzzle, a puzzle box, and the picture, of course, on the box is a puzzle you're supposed to make. You're supposed to build it, right? And the reason I use this is because intelligence builds a picture from existing pieces. It doesn't create a picture. That's what an artist does. It doesn't create it out of thin air. It builds it, just like anybody that builds a bridge or builds a house. Intelligence collects information, decides if it's the right stuff, and then builds a picture and makes an assessment, just like a home builder. they got to collect the materials they need, assess whether or not those are the correct materials, and then they build their house. It's really the same principle, kind of a loose general way to look at it. But using this puzzle box, we'll say it's a nice meadow with some flowers and trees in the background. It's got a river going through it. Maybe there's a boat on the river. And so just picture that, however you want to picture it, whatever the colors are. And when they're looking at the box, I just say, here's all I need you to do. I want you to tell me the truth. Now, the reason there's a long pause is hopefully it was long enough. Some of you wanted to see if the podcast was still going, but most people right now don't understand what to do. What do you mean you want me to tell you the truth? And I ask them to tell me the truth. Tell me the truth about that photo. And then even then, it becomes very difficult. It doesn't even make sense to a lot of people when I ask that question. Tell me the truth. And the reason I mention that is because intelligence isn't about telling the truth. That's subjective. It's about collecting information, assessing their value, identifying facts, and building a picture. That's what the pieces are for. Truth isn't part of it. So then what I do is I actually take three puzzles, and I open them up so you can see all the pieces and put their pictures next to them. And then I take pieces out of each box. I don't let them see what I'm doing. And I set three random pieces down in front of each box. And I tell them, I didn't want you to see what pieces I was using, so you didn't know what box they belonged into. But in front of each box are three puzzle pieces. One piece for each puzzle. So box one has a piece to puzzle one, two, and three, box two, box three, etc. All I want you to do is look at those puzzle pieces. Look at the picture, because the picture is already provided for you. And I want you to tell me which box each puzzle piece goes into. So just imagine yourself doing this because you'll understand it doesn't matter that you don't have a puzzle in front of you. If there's enough people and this goes on long enough, 
I like to let it go on until either somebody realizes that we've mathematically exhausted all possibilities or that somebody has repeated somebody else's choices and they think they've caught me. And then I say, well, why did you take, say, box one? Why did you take those three pieces and try to put one piece for each box? Why did you do that? Well, that's what you told me to do. Okay, but why did you believe it was true that there was one piece? Well, well, I don't know. It's what you told me to do. We inherently do what we're told, and we believe what we're told, and we create a certain amount of trust we don't know exists for people, even people we think we don't like because sometimes they think things we want to believe or we are afraid are true, which are the two most common reasons why people believe lies. So then I tell them, okay, so that wasn't fair. So in all actuality, I've got it written down here. Just picks one of the boxes. So they picks box two. And I said, okay, so box two, none of those pieces belong to box two. One of them belongs to one of the other puzzles. Two of them belong to the other one. Everybody's usually a sucker and does this again. I've never had an instance where that didn't happen, but I usually don't go into the second step, but I've done the first one dozens of times. I go through the same thing. Why did you choose to do it that way? And sometimes they'll consciously say, well, I didn't choose. That's what you told me to do. And I go, no, that's the point. You did what you were told. You didn't really look at this. And it's like, the point is, all these puzzle pieces are information. And the thing is, you're looking at these photos. You think those are the actual pictures. Because you've already decided those are the pictures. Because somebody put them in front of you. And if I take it further, I'll even go to show them that those boxes aren't even the right pictures. Or one of them is not right. Or they're in front of the wrong boxes. And then I'll say, here's the reality of the situation. And I'll grab all three pieces from box one, and I'll put them in box one. All three pieces from box two into box two. Same thing with box three. That's where the pieces belong. Sometimes I've done this. I've done, well, I was going to do it several times. I only did it twice where I actually did this process while having them build a puzzle. I just didn't give them all the pieces or gave them the incorrect pieces. But it was to get them to understand that there's a lot of things that we believe because that's what we're told. Like, Take a hot topic right now, elections and fraud in the United States. It makes people angry when I point this out to them. But I say, look, the reason you're having an issue with this is because that's what you were told to believe. The fact of the matter is if two years ago you weren't actively, regularly, on a daily basis thinking about election fraud in 2020 or even 10 years ago, because it's always gone on, some small things have been proven, it's always been there, then you're really only doing it because you've been told. Because both parties and all news agencies have been talking about it all of 2020, accusing the other side's going to steal the election. That's why people believe it. Now, I'm not saying the fraud isn't there. The fraud's very real. We don't know to what level. We don't know if it'll get turned around. We don't know right now who's going to get elected president, but that's not the point. The point is most people are upset and angry about it and looking for reasons to justify their feelings and their emotions because they don't realize or want to accept if they're told that they're just doing what they're told. They're believing what they're told to believe. Now, here's the thing. Every time I challenge somebody, they get upset, almost every time. And I try to do it nicely. I don't go at them over really aggressively, but I don't candy coat it either. I don't try to coddle them, but I tell them, here's why this is happening, just as I've explained things now or the way I've explained things in other podcasts. But they still get upset. Why? Ego. Their ego steps up. And they get defensive because they're trying to protect their emotions, their feelings, because they're ignoring or not realizing their biases. And they don't want to accept the fact that they're being told what to do. 
because we're emotional beings. That means we're not in control. We're not making our own decisions. We don't like that, so we deny it. We go through the stages of denial in this process. This is why it's a lot easier if I use puzzle examples or I walk people through this same process, but I have them research terrorism and they have, you know, don't know anything about terrorism when I would train the intel officers here. It was easier for them to grasp. But sometimes I would take it right to them on their beliefs, usually something they hold dear like religion or politics, you know, climate change, any hot topic that people get upset about, especially when I can identify they're emotionally involved in that topic. I do it so they can really feel it. And it's also because the jobs are going to work in, they're going to feel that way sometimes. They're going to claim ownership to an idea, not realize it, and get challenged or get beat down. Or just in general, somebody's going to end up treating them that way or they're going to feel like they're being treated badly because they get told they're wrong or that their biases or emotions are involved, so they need to experience that. But it's to help them get past it so they're not only prepared for that, they actually can get better at it and go into it without these emotions and biases. But the fact is we tend to do what we're told. It doesn't mean we do it all the time. But there are subjects where we can identify that we do it most of the time. And it doesn't mean we're not independent thinkers. It just means that we have to accept the fact and admit to ourselves when we're really not and then figure out why. So one of the things to do is to look at the things you already believe are true. It doesn't matter if they're factual or not. Because remember, truth and fact are different things. What are the things you believe? You know, make a list or just think about it. I would make a list because this is going to go a little farther, but make a list. I'll give you some ideas, but pick pick the hot button ideas, things that upset you or that you're passionate about or that you're excited about. You know, is it abortion? Is it gun control? Is it politics? Is it climate change? Is it the price of automobiles? Is it something to do with religion? Is it something to do with gay marriage? Hot button topics, that's what we want to pick. What are your actual beliefs on that? A simple one or two sentence. Here's what I believe. That's it. That's all you're doing, what you believe. The next thing you're writing down is why do you believe that? And a lot of times you'll discover if you get a good list of what you believe, like if you can come up with 20, 25 of them, you'll find several when you start trying to figure out, I'm not sure how to put into words why I believe this. That should clue you in on something. It doesn't mean your beliefs are wrong. So do understand going through this doesn't mean your beliefs will change. Some of them very well may, but some may not. But now you have to figure out why do you believe that? It's kind of a red flag in a sense is to let you know that there's a reason why you believe that you cannot identify. Maybe you can't put facts behind it. Maybe you want to go look on the internet and try to come up with something to justify the belief because that's our inclination. But don't do that. Why do you believe that? Think it through. Is that something you've heard a lot? Is that something you were told? There were things I believed growing up that I just believed were true. That was my life. That was the culture I was in. I went to church. Not saying church is bad. I'm just saying there's things I was taught to believe that were right or wrong that I changed my mind on. And I changed them because I came to a point where certain things I got to experience, didn't really understand why they were bad, understood why the side I came from thought they were bad or saw them as bad. But then I had to ask myself, why do I believe this? And I realized that's what I was just told and taught to believe. Now that's not bad. That's not brainwashing. Brainwashing is more involved. But it's essentially how we raise kids. We teach them what we believe right and wrong is. We teach them good and bad. But eventually they do grow up and change some of their opinions on these things. And we've all done it. So look at why do you believe these things? And then you'll start to see those ones where you're not entirely sure. And then sometimes you might find that when you do write down your beliefs, if you really look at it or have somebody else look at it, it'll come across like you're either defending it or trying to justify it, both of which are very bad because you shouldn't be doing either. 
at least not in this exercise, maybe in a discussion on that hot topic later, but not in this exercise because we're looking at this as things we already believe to apply it to new information or things we're looking at on the internet or whatever. So once we do that, you may find there's ones that you're open to changing your mind on. Maybe you're not open to changing your mind. But we'll start to become emotional and frustrated. Justifications, getting defensive. We'll think about conversations we've had with people and the things they've said and they make us mad and make us angry and realize our responses to those are either we attack them, which definitely should tell you something and it's not that they're necessarily doing something wrong. It's probably you. The other thing we'll do is whether or not we respond to it, we'll sit around and think about it for hours or days or weeks. Okay, that's about you. That's not about the information anymore, and that's something you should pay attention to. And the frustration, when you get to this point, this is the ceiling you got to break through. The few that break through that ceiling is when they're really going to learn how to do this and get into looking at information objectively to try to come up with answers or solutions, answer questions, make decisions, be more informed. The ones that don't, to justify, get defensive, blame other people, stew on it for a while, they don't break through that ceiling, they're not going anywhere. So it's about getting past that, getting past that frustration, those biases, and trying to be objective. Now at this point, we go past the why, and we start looking for the information that leads to that belief. What you have to be careful of is a confirmation bias, basically looking for or only accepting information that supports what you already believe. That's not what you want to do. The first thing you should be looking for, if you're going to go into this and try to be objective, Look for every counter argument and every time it upsets you or you don't like it, you need to read it more and ignore the adjectives inflammatory statements if it's some blog or website, but look at more real independent research, depending on what the study is, whatever it is you're looking at. Start looking at other points of view and taking them in because a lot of times, even if your position ever changes, you'll find that there's valuable information on both sides of an argument. And the other thing, too, is there's always more than two sides. Like people always say, well, there's two sides of a coin. And I always tell them, no, there's three, arguably five. Because while you have heads and tails, you also have the edge. And then you could say you have the inside and the outside. And while that might sound philosophical, the fact of the matter is there's always more than two sides. But information can be valid from anywhere. A place that's a good source of information cannot always be trusted and shouldn't be because they're going to give some bad information eventually. A place that always gives bad information should not be ignored and should be looked at regularly because occasionally they're going to drop that gem. You just classify them based on their validity and their reputation, but you don't ignore them or only take them in. That's how we ignore those biases and fight through them. If you can get to this point, you can apply this to any subject. And this is how we assess and analyze information. And this plays into kind of the bit of a series we're doing that's not totally in line. This plays into those intelligence networks I talk to because we're going to look at people the same way when I do the follow-up for that one. How we collect and report information, this is all part of it. We're building a picture. Because you got to remember, go back to the puzzles at the beginning. Every time we go look something up, whether we realize there's a bias there or not, and the thing is, if you're going to make any assumptions, assume the bias always exists and look for it in yourself. We go into it, we see something on the internet, probably something we're already emotionally invested in as an idea. We love it, we hate it, whatever. And then we share it and we talk about it as though we see the whole picture, but you don't see the whole picture. That's impossible. You don't have all the information. You, you just don't. 
any expert in any subject, any professor, top of their game subject matter expert, will tell you they don't know everything about this. They could be the world's leading authority. But if they're unbiased and objective and really want to teach people whatever that subject is and learn more, they will tell you that and be open to the idea that somebody's going to come along one day and open up their eyes to something. Tons of those people change their ideas on stuff because they're open to it. And you have to go into it being open. So going back to that puzzle, I gave you the picture and it's because you think you always have it, but you don't. You don't have the picture. So you have to ignore the idea what the picture is. You have to build a picture out of the pieces you find not out of the assumptions we make or the beliefs we have. That's why I say, go into the saying, here's what I believe. Here's why I believe it, which will lead you to realize there's probably one or more that you're not entirely sure or have to put some thought into putting it on paper why you believe that. If you can't just immediately write it down. It's because you consciously don't really know why you believe that, which is fine. That's normal. It's okay. Don't get upset about that. It starts to help you realize there are things you're conditioned to. There are things you probably believe that you were told to believe as a kid that very well may be true. They may be factual. I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just recognizing them. Like, what's your view on good and evil in the world? What would you call good? What would you call evil in a person? Most people will identify with a lot of the same things there. Most people hold that to be true. Most of us would definitely can argue it's fact, and there's definitely laws in many countries that would say, yes, this is evil, and this is probably how a good person behaves versus an evil person. So it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just understanding how we come to that conclusion. Because if you can understand how you can come to that conclusion, you can identify your own biases. You can see where and when you've been taught to do things or to learn things or believe things. You can take into account conditioning based on, I believe this because this is what I was taught to believe. And I've been taught that for 20 years or I've been taught that for two months. It doesn't mean it's wrong. You may find that's totally right. But it shows you what it takes for you to function, how you naturally already take in information, analyze and assess it. You can identify those. Then you go to these subjects you want to research. You want to go research about COVID and you don't know much about viruses or medical stuff. You want to go learn more about the political system right now to understand what's going to happen, what could happen and why. Maybe you're worried about the possibility that Joe Biden gets sworn in and everybody's talking about gun rights. Justifiably so. Why? Liberals tend to take them away. Conservatives do too, just not as much. So there's a concern there. So use that example. Do you believe that if Joe Biden is sworn in, that that's going to affect gun rights, if, that, if that's something that matters to you? And you say, yes, I believe that. Okay, why do you believe that? And come up with another why than what I just said, unless you were already thinking consciously that that was your justification. Say, so, okay. Now, go figure out why you actually believe that. Not just the why, but how did you come up with that? What fed you to that idea? What things that happened that you can recall without looking them up? And if you think you recall things that happened, write them down to the best of your ability. When you think they happened, who you think was involved, what was happening. Look those ideas up and find out what did you miss? Did you get it 100% right or did you miss things? You know, did you say it was under a certain president and it wasn't or it was, but it was a different part of the term or it was part of this or part of that? You know, what was the legislation involved? What were the statements are made? What really happened with it? You may find that going through this process using this example, there's things you believe that you can look at it and go, you know, now that I've looked at it, I don't like it. I don't want it to happen. I realize there's a lot of things involved. It didn't happen. We'll say, it, we'll say it's something that didn't happen as an example. And you realize when this first came out and first heard about it, I remember that it upset me. 
And then you realize that when you're upset, that was an emotion. That's your bias kicking in. You got angry, you got defensive, whatever you got, you'll know what it is. And you realize that clouded your ability to actually look farther into it and find more information out about it. And then if you did look for information, you probably followed a confirmation bias. This will help you to understand what you're naturally doing already. I'm not saying that it's wrong. It'd be wrong if you were doing Intel work. I would tell you straight out you're wrong. But I'm not saying it's wrong. What I'm saying is you can definitely do it better. You just have to identify these common pitfalls about how we function as people. Because here's the thing. The biggest flaw in intelligence is people. And it's usually going to be egos or biases, beliefs, emotions. Those are the flaws. Those are the flaws in most people, but intelligence, those are the flaws. Now, if this gets too frustrating, because there are people this gets so frustrating and it angers them, and it's really, really bothering you, stop. If that becomes you, I, you should challenge yourself by following and trying what I'm saying first. But if it really upsets you, stop doing it. Take a break, a few hours, a couple days. Pick a subject you're consciously aware you know nothing about. I don't have formal training. I don't have much education in it, but I do have some sort of belief about it. That's going to be something that's less likely for you to get as frustrated or emotional about. You may get a little frustrated, but not to get emotional, get your biases evolved. Follow the same process with that. It'll be a little easier. The reason you should always take those hard ones first to challenge yourself is it's much easier to see what's happening with you and to assess yourself because this is really what we're doing. We're assessing ourselves to learn how we assess and analyze information. But if it's too much, go back to the simple one. Don't take the simple one first because you'll trick yourself into thinking you got it and you'll never apply it to these big hard ones. And then every time those things come up that you have strong beliefs in or you learn you have strong beliefs in, you won't do anything with it and you'll just follow the same pattern. And then you'll give out bad information. Let's apply this to a whole nother concept, traveling, taking a road trip, okay? Right now, we're approaching the holidays. I'm taking a road trip later on this week. People are going to be driving. Some people, like me, are going to drive 2,000 miles. I remember when I was a kid, stuff my dad would say. I don't remember specifics, but it was general statements about not going this way because of the traffic at this time of year or the weather, you know, things that made sense. Or, well, I didn't like the people over here because I had this bad experience. And I realized, well, that was one time. Then I started thinking about things I choose not to do. Like if it's really bad weather and there's going to be a lot of snow, I'll drive through California to go up to Washington State. I don't like to drive through California. It's not because of all the things people say about California. Typically, the gas prices are higher. I have to time it in a certain way where I can get to Palm Springs area, sleep for a few hours, and then get around L.A. in off-hour times to avoid the traffic. That's the biggest reason I don't like it. I realize now, I haven't looked into it yet, but there's an entire possibility of restrictions and quarantines and what will happen when I try to go through the border. Because if you've never driven into California, they got like a checkpoint there, which you can look into. It has to do with... Uh, the Great Depression era, but they have a checkpoint and people there you talk to. So I'll probably drive up through Nevada, Idaho, Oregon, somewhere over there. But I started thinking about places I avoid or like to go and why. And I realized 
There's things I choose to do or not do because of a single experience in my life. Now, it's not that that's bad, but I could be ignoring opportunities. So looking at travel, you go to a restaurant, you're traveling, you have a really bad experience in that restaurant. You're going to travel that way again, but it's been five years. Understandable, you wouldn't want to go to that restaurant. But if this was information or source of information and not a restaurant, I would tell you were a fool not to try it again. Not to take another look at it and see if anything has changed or been done differently. When we talk about intelligence networks and I expand on that, I'm going to be talking about why you don't take people out of your network. Only in very, very rare situations because you can revisit those things to see if something's changed or something's new. The restaurant idea I get. I do understand this isn't exactly a how-to show like you thought of, but more and more of this comes up where people are looking at information and trying to figure out what's true or what's fact or getting upset when somebody challenges or or just simply says, like, look, that's that's a bad article for these reasons. Like, these things were true, but here's some things to note. And they're commenting on the article and not the individual, but the individual takes it like a personal attack, and they basically retaliate. And so I thought... This would be good to help people really look at the fact that when it comes down to the information, the number one thing is you. It's always the person looking at it. If you can't get past that and figure out how to identify your biases, control them, look for them so you can be objective, identify what triggers your emotions or what makes you upset, figure out why you believe these things, go through that whole process I described and then apply it to anything you do then you're always going to come out bad with whatever you produce. It won't even matter how factual it is. Look at mass media right now. Majority, I believe, I believe this, right? And I'm not going to go through the belief process I described, but I believe most people think legacy media in the United States is garbage. I can't statistically put a real number to that. It's just what I believe. A lot of people do. I think we could all agree on that. Here's the thing. There's articles or just, you know, verbal things they've given over the news I've seen on information where everything's accurate. It's actually accurate. But it's the way in which they tell it, where they apply their biases, that make it either false or make it where people don't like it because of the way they describe it. It's like if you look at statements right now about the president that piss off people on the right wing side. Statements, words to the effect of, in different variations, the president falsely claims are election fraud. Okay, that's a lie, though. He claimed election fraud. For it to be a false claim, it'd have to be completely disproven. And also, for it to be true, a true statement, it will need to be proven. That's why we have the process we're going through. The thing is, if they had just wrote, president claims again today that the election was fraudulent. Okay, that'd be a factual, accurate statement. And if they wrote and spoke in such a way to just provide information, more people would watch them and their ratings wouldn't go down. But they put the spin, right? The spin is their view. Their spin is their adjectives. You know, it's their biases, the way they want you to view and see it. It's fairly easy to see that when we see something we don't like. So in this country, people that are more on the conservative side, they go watch CNN. They see that all day long. 
but they turn around and watch One America News or what I don't know if that's the right acronym for OAN, OAN, OANN, whatever it is. They're not seeing it. It's literally the exact same thing. They do the exact same thing. There is no difference. They're just spinning it from the conservative side. And if they can't see that, they're never going to get into really looking at information for what it is and making up their own mind. They're not going to accept the fact they're not making up their own mind. They're looking for things that support what they already believe that they can't really justify. They're looking for people to make them feel better about what they believe. Or if that same person's watching the opposing side, they're looking for things to make them angry about what they already believe. They're not actually researching it if they just don't go past that point. The other thing is it's easy to see that. It's easy to see it in an opposing point of view, especially when it's another person, especially if it's a person you don't personally know. You don't really know them. So it's a news anchor. They're the opposing side. We can see it because, as I've talked about in other shows that have nothing to do with intelligence, that had to do with human behavior, that it's a negative to us. We see and remember the negative behaviors and actions and interactions we've had a lot easier. They speak to us because negative is bad. We don't like it. Positive is good, but we require a lot of it because it, at the moment, why it's so great, it just doesn't seem to hang with us as long as the negatives do. So that's why if you switch to a media source that's right up your alley, that's literally doing the same thing, it's a little bit harder to see sometimes. But then you can't see it. But then the real challenge comes. Look in the mirror. If you can see the bad stuff on the negative side, that's good. If you're starting to see it or can't see it in the positive side that supports what you already believe, that's great. But the best thing is if you can see it in yourself. If you can do all those, you'll tear anything apart. I was on a forum recently, and they put up this conspiracy theory post about Canada because they're buying these, I don't remember the exact name because I don't have it up, but it was a type of hydraulic, automated hydraulic guillotine. And it was a contract, and then they put in there, you know, we're going to use guillotine. And the person who submitted the article wrote in things about internment camps they were building, which was completely false. And then it was submitted in this form to a way is Canadian versions of FEMA camps and they're having guillotines going in this COVID thing. Like it was so ridiculous. The thing was, here's where the people that wrote that and the people that posted it screwed up. Do you know what that is? Do you know what an automatic hydraulic guillotine or whatever is? Because all you got to do is search in Google and you'll find out it's the machine that costs like 15, 20 grand that it's basically a hydraulic cutter for stacks of paper, three to 20 inches. It has nothing to do with cutting people's heads off. That's what it is. Not to mention the internment stuff, which I ripped apart. That is a prime example of as a result where somebody already believes something, may not even have thought about in a while. Something comes up, keys into all these beliefs they have about camps and people being put in prisons and getting executed. And, oh, my God, it's so blatant. It's a government contract. And then they create this article or whatever, and they people share it. And nobody looks into it. And come to find out, they're ordering office equipment. And the thing is, everybody does this. Some people do it multiple times a day. <laughs> but we all do it somewhere in our lives. The thing is, is, it's not that you can always stop it or control it. Maybe you can with enough discipline and time. But it's identifying these things. So when you come across this stuff, if you're able to identify these emotions, these feelings, these biases, 
things that are fueling what you already believe. And you can see that right away. You can stop yourself, relook at it and go, instead of saying, I know what a guillotine is in this example. No, you will. Yeah, but it said this. It sounds like a fancy guillotine. And you highlight it, you paste it over your search and go, oh, it's a freaking paper cutter. That makes sense. That's the point you'll get to. And then you'll move on to bigger, better things and start looking into more stuff, more information. You're not really tearing it apart. Actually, what you're doing is making minimal effort. The hard part is everything you got to do with yourself that I've talked about up to that. Now, lastly, I want to say why these exercises, because these are exercises. I've done them. I do them mostly in my head now, but I've done them in written exercises and training that were very useful. I found them to be useful. I teach people how to use this skill when I would train interrogators and analysts and other intel disciplines, especially officers. But lastly, you got to remember the old gray man concept. I talked a lot about behavior, right? Because gray man goes beyond how you dress, talking about things like rapport building, interrogation, debriefing, just talking to people to get information. We'll do more of that when we do the networking thing. How to read body language, detecting deception, how to use your body language, all these things we've talked about. This is literally the same process because I've actually talked about everything I did today in a different way before. I just talked about how we interact with people to be less memorable and how they act and how we talk to them and get them talking. All that stuff I've talked about, I've always talked about the biases, how we behave, the things we do to make people uncomfortable and more comfortable, identifying those things. What do they do that makes us cause those, have those feelings? And then taking ownership of them and controlling them and, and reacting appropriately. It's all the same principle. I'm just taking it now, repackaging it, and putting it into looking at the information that we're taking in. So hopefully this wasn't too confusing. And I, I hope that people enjoy this and can actually... This is one where I look at like this could actually change somebody's life, I suppose. Maybe not, but... If you liked this and it was helpful to you or had some more questions, please shoot me the questions. I've got my contact email and show notes as well as Facebook and Twitter. You can reach out to me. I'll be doing a couple more shows, at least one, but maybe two before I take a break because I'm traveling for the holidays and be out for two or three weeks. But I'm going to do, well, I'm planning on doing the one for following up for the intelligence networks. I don't know if I'll have that prepared in time, but I got one or two ready to go. So I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope it helps you out. Definitely try these exercises out. It's going to help you when you're analyzing information and looking at it and figuring out not only what you believe and why, but how to look at things more objectively, how to force yourself to do a little research and actually put together a better picture and realizing that the picture doesn't exist. You just get the pieces and you may not get all the pieces. And the pieces you don't have are your intel gaps. And based on the pieces you have, you make an assessment of what that picture really is. And the more pieces you get, the more that picture changes. So even though I titled it How to Assess and Analyze Information, it was actually really about assessing and analyzing ourselves, so you could apply that to the information properly and more effectively. Thanks for listening, and we're going to have more for you here soon, right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.